Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We are on episode 78. You are with Josh Roop, along with my co-captain, as always. Scott Larson. And Scott, I, I heard you got a new pinball machine. I did. I just got a Mandalorian Premium that I got delivered yesterday. I It's sitting in my frozen garage out there with my Iron Maiden and Beatles, which is too cold to go outside and play. But, uh, and I'm super excited because I saw the pictures of the Rush LE uh, they're signing those cards. And so my brush LE should be on the way. So I am super excited about that. Nice. So you... if you need to order one, uh, check out Zach and Nicole mini, a flipping out pinball. They are always good to, to hook you up. And if you have that game that you're looking for, whether or not it's in the future or something that they could possibly obtain through a trade, uh, reach out to them, let them know, and they'll be able to hook you up. Definitely. So speaking of rush, I know Scott, you like rush. And you dared me to find someone that likes Rush better than you. And so I scoured the internet. Uh, I may have called in a couple favors, but I think I found someone a bigger fan than you. You ready for this? I am ready. Bring it on. So Mr. Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Ed Robertson, is joining us today. How are you doing, Ed? Uh, Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, So, Ed, before we get into any of this... um, this is our first episode before, uh, since we heard about Lyman's passing and we've, we've talked about it on the show before we've talked about, um, the devastating effects of mental health. And a lot of people don't, they don't want to talk about it because people feel either embarrassed about it or they feel social stigma. And, uh, we, first off, we want everybody to know that you're welcome at our table and we, we are inclusive to all. And, um, you know, your brain is just like any other part of your body. So if you need help with, with your liver, your heart, you're going to go get help. And, um, talking about things that are affecting your mental health are just as important, if not more so, because usually people suffer in silence. And so we do want to respect Lyman, respect his memory. We're going to talk about more, um, his influence on pinball, but we wanted to reach out to Ed and say, uh, any Lyman memories or any Lyman thoughts that he had? Well, I, I'm still struggling uh, with Lyman's passing. Uh, Lyman and I spoke pretty regularly, and we actually spoke at length about his mental health. And I, I tried to be a, a resource to Lyman, so I I spent an awful long time uh, after Lyman committed suicide, worried that I hadn't done enough to let him know how appreciated he was and how loved he was. And I'm sure a lot of his friends are are having those fears right now. Um, It uh, it's been really hard to reconcile. And it's you know, I've battled depression myself for many, many years. Um, I've, I've, I've never been at that intense end of the struggle, but I've, I've spoken to a therapist regularly for almost two decades, uh, definitely the last decade on a weekly basis, almost, um, as my schedule permits. Uh, and I've explained to a lot of friends, like, I never really feel like I'm in a deep hole, but it's really wide. Um, you know, it, it feels like a, a 
a crater that's only it's only up to my knees but it kind of goes to the horizon sometimes you know and uh it's just like a background uh depression um and i i really wish we were at a place where there wasn't a stigma attached to talking about mental illness, but there clearly is. And, and people are ashamed when they're struggling. Um, and, you know, Lyman was so loved and so respected and so revered in this community, but he was so hard on himself. Um, and it didn't matter what game I brought up to Lyman. The first thing he always talked about was what disappointed him about it, you know, and what he wished he could have done better. And, and I'm saying, Lyman, this is a perfect game. Like I, you know, talking to him about walking dead and saying like, I think it's perfect. Like, I love it so much. I think horde might be the greatest moment in all of pinball. I just love it. Um, and I explained to Lyman in so many ways that the, the, intensity that he's given so many pinball fans, the, the variety of emotions from humor to stress to uh, euphoria, you know, um, he has been the architect of so much joy for so many people. And I think, I think that's why so many of us are struggling right now, whether you knew Lyman personally or not, you're, you're thinking, my gosh, how could this guy who gave so much to so many people and did so many things that that pinball fans revere and rejoice over, um, how could he not um, feel the intensity of that, that love? Um, so it, it's been a real struggle, and I would just reiterate what you were getting at. Um, if, if anyone out there is struggling, reach out. You're, you have people who care about you and uh, just don't give up on yourself. Um, it's, it's really scary when you see someone like Lyman succumb because we all hold him in such high esteem. Um, so if, if you're struggling, reach out. Reach out to a friend. If you don't have a friend to reach out to, reach out to a doctor, reach out to a coworker, reach out to somebody because uh, the world is a better place with you in it. Definitely. I think we're all, all of us, like you said, even if we know him personally, or if it, I feel like one of the reasons, well, the main reason I got into this hobby was because of Lyman's code. I mean, you find medieval madness and it's just something that draws you in. And you look at someone, like you said, so revered. I, I've never heard a bad thing about Lyman. He was such a gentleman. He, he was always open to listen to you and whatnot and it just it, it stinks because you do question um you know hindsight's twenty twenty. could i have done something more is there something i could have done and it's just you know give someone the opportunity to to help if if you are feeling at that state so yeah it, it uh it makes me think about gattaca if you haven't seen gattaca it's a great film but he's He's talking, um, I don't want to give away the premise of it, but he's talking to his girlfriend at the time. And he says, this is the quote, uh, they've got you looking so hard for any flaw that after a while, that's all you see. Yeah. And people who are in deep depression, 
that's all they see about themselves. Yeah. And uh, my heart goes out to Penny, who is just one of the loveliest people on the planet and uh, Lyman's family. And um, yeah, I think anybody who knew him will be struggling with this for a long time. And the pinball world has lost an absolute titan, an absolute legend who walked among us. Yeah. Everything he touched turned to gold. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So we will we will do a, a Lyman retrospective in the future too. This is this was more of a snapshot, but uh, we are going to awkwardly transition to what Ed has been working on, and it's near and dear to my heart is the Rush Pinball Machine. Well, it's not an awkward transition at all because Lyman was the biggest Rush fan. Yeah, uh, he loved the band and. Even after he left Stern, he just kept texting me, you got to make it awesome, man. You got to make it awesome. It's You got to do justice to this band. They're the greatest band. And uh, yeah, he, he was on me, riding me the whole time. So it was cool. That's no pressure at all, right? <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. I said, uh, uh, you know, I know one way I could have been sure it was going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this game is fantastic. I got my hands on a pro last week. Uh, I got to play it. Um, I enjoyed the depth of it. Uh, I enjoyed the callouts. It's it's a really fun game. I've got to know though. I was listening to your Stern Insider inter- interview, and Getty and Alex reached out to Jody and said, "Hey, we want to do this as long as Ed's on board." So are you just known as the pinball guy in the music industry, or is it like, like is that your calling card? Like how how does like is that just your thing? <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of known as the pinball nerd. Um, and yeah, it was it was initially Getty reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we're being approached about doing a pinball machine. Can you help us make the decisions? And uh, I said, yeah, I'd be happy to, you know, any questions you have. I said, if you guys want to come over and I'll show I'll show you what I've got and show you what to look out for, that sort of thing. And Getty said, okay, well, let me get back to you. And then the next call I got was from Jody Dankberg, who said, so Rush wants to do this pin, but they're insisting that you kind of be the quarterback and creative direct the thing. Um, It's like their main stipulation on doing the licensing. Um, And so I was flattered, of course, because I'm such a huge fan of those guys. Uh, and it was a, it was just a really cool opportunity for me to dive in. I'm such a pinball fan. It was really cool to be involved from the initial, like dis- from the discussion level all the way through layout, through concept, uh, through artwork, every single aspect of it. It was, it was a really cool insider's look i mean i i understood the process fairly well because i've been pretty close with a lot of the guys at stern for a long time um but it was it was really cool to be involved at every step so when someone says i want you to make it awesome that's I and mean, that's a that's a steep hill to climb I and mean, that's that's like saying hey um no pressure but your next album we want you to sell five million been there yeah <laughs> I've had that said to me. 
Yeah. But okay. So, so that's the question. Like what, what is it that, uh, you know, you have been very involved in pinball, but what, when someone says, I want it to be awesome, what do you do to make it awesome? How, how does that work? Well, part of my goal with this machine was to transcend the band uh, because I, you knew that Rush fans were going to be interested in a Rush pinball machine. But I wanted to do what Stern did so well with Metallica and ACDC and Iron Maiden. The machines were were bigger than the bands. Like, I, I wouldn't put a Metallica record on ever, but it's one of my favorite pinball machines, you know? And same with Iron Maiden. Like, you know, it, it's not a band I would ever listen to, but it's one of my top three games of all time. Like, and it, so that's... That was really important to me at the outset. I want to make a great pinball machine that even if you're not a rush nerd like me, you're going to want to play this game. Um, so it's got to be fast. It's got to be exciting. It's got to be uh, interesting to look at. It's, you know, we just, we wanted to transcend the hardcore rush fan and, you know, I'm such a huge fan of Borg's layouts because um, they always offer some fast shots, some fast returns to flippers, but also super brutal, dangerous uh, shots that are necessary to do well in the game, you know, so require some precision shooting as much as uh, you'll often have a, a repeatable ramp shot or uh, an easy combo you can make. I want the game to beat you up and frustrate you, you know? So those were the kind of early conversations that, that John and I had. And uh, John, for the first time in many, many, many years, had the luxury of time to design this game and really tweak it and work on it. And he was in heaven because normally their schedules are blindingly fast and he's got to come up with something quickly he's got to get it up and flipping um and because of the covid shutdowns and lockdowns borg had time to really play with this layout and and the other thing is borg's a huge rush fan too so um it was it was a great uh there was great synergy right from the beginning because john and i were already really good friends when the band brought me on, John said, well, this is going to be amazing because you can talk pinball to the Rush guys, you can talk music to the Stern guys, and we can get everything we want here. Um, so I felt like John and I were real co-conspirators on the project and pushing it forward, pushing for what we wanted. It was important to have as much music as possible. I didn't think we were going to be able to sneak all the music we did into the game. Uh, but you're looking at two hours of music because we got the full first side of 2112, uh, Cygnus X1, book one and book two. Like, it's insane how much music is in this game. Unprecedented, I think. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. Um, and I know that you had spoke about you guys, you said you wanted to do some bangers. Uh, you t was it picked 20 songs if i'm correct and then 15 out of those were the same for you getty and alex 
number 16 was different. If you'll tell us about 16 and then uh, why you went with 20 songs. Yeah, we initially picked 20 songs each. And of that list, we shared 15 songs. Then next down the list, there were two songs that had two of three votes. Okay. And those were YYZ and La Villa Strangiato. And, and you guys did an arm wrestle for that? <laughs> well, we went back and forth via email. And it's funny because I've seen so much chatter uh, online. YYZ should have been in there. Like, why is that song not in the game? Well, it's not in there because Getty argued against it. <laughs> oh, Getty, Getty Lee. <laughs> Getty Lee said, no, La Villa Strangiato is a way better song. And, uh, you know, people have a fondness for YYZ because the drum solo on Exit Stage Left happened in YYZ. But La Villa Strangiato, the melodies in that song and the different sections, I think Ged was right. Like, ultimately, I caved to to Getty's argument that La Villa Strangiato is the better song. And I, I because I'm from Toronto... And because uh, Exit Stage Left was like the beginning of my love affair with the band, I wanted YYZ, but I had to admit he was right. Well, La Via Strangiato is also on YY, on uh, Exit Stage Left. So, yeah. And uh, uh, Getty's right, just, just so you know. Uh, it's a better yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, he is. And I still love YYZ. Oh, and it's, it's a great song, yeah. I will play it ad infinitum, uh, always. And, and I always play it when I plug an electric guitar and that interval is so weird. C, F sharp, C, F sharp, C, 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 F sharp, C, C. That's like, bop, 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 bop. that's a weird interval. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, so It's dang catchy though. It, it, it's it, one that makes you sit up and listen. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. But they're actually, um, Rush is a little bit of an outlier because they actually have, they will pepper in instrumental songs. And um, there's a lot of bands that just won't touch instrumental songs unless you're, you know, like the Cliffs of Dover or, or the iconic ones that everybody knows. Um, so here's the question. Like, and I have I have said my the Rush song that speaks to me the most is the Analog Kid, which is actually a, a, it's number two on subdivision uh, on uh, singles uh, signals, signals. Excuse me. Signals. Yes. Um, but. Uh, is there a song that you connect with a rush song that speaks to you and did it get in the game? My favorite song has always been either limelight or free will. I tend to say free will when asked. I just think that those guitar riffs are so interesting. Uh, but free will wasn't one of the 27 or 28 songs that I played in my high school band. Like we played 28 Rush songs and then about 10 songs by other bands. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I used to love Xanadu as well. I did that one in my high school band. We did Cinderella Man. Like I, there's a lot of Rush stuff that I love. Um, but for me, with the pin, the one song I wanted to make sure was in there was Free Will. I haven't played it yet, but on the streams that I've watched, 
it doesn't sound it sounds like they skip the intro on Levi Strangiato. Is that correct? They just jump right into yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of cases where um, there's a bit of a slow burn of an intro, and we just wanted to get into the hook of the song. I think yeah. you'd have to. I that's the right call because I it it is an amazing guitar intro, but uh, yeah. jumping right into it is is certainly the right move. Yeah, yeah, we had to make some judicious editing choices. Uh, plus, like Tim Sexton was worried that we were not going to have enough room for. <laughs> that much audio and video to sync with it. It's an enormous amount of data. Um, and like I said, it's, it's unprecedented. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I, I was really enjoying it. I mean, the pro, if it, you don't feel shortchanged with the pro, it felt really good. Um, I've got you, also, though, you also played at a bar though, that intentionally turns all the music down. I so could you can't even it. hear the pins. It wasn't it's happy like hour yet, so every, it was pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was there a moment when you're recording with Getty and Alex and it just was like an aha moment or, you know, there was just a moment that stood out to you during this whole process? Well, recording with Getty and Al was hilarious because those guys are really funny and uh, but also super professional and they they really wanted to understand the various things they were saying. Cause some things, if you're not a pinball nerd, they, they like, we take stuff for granted that, uh, that we need to hear to understand what's going on in a game. And when they hear shoot rush, they're like, what do you mean? Shoot rush. Like, <laughs> is there a violent aspect to this game? We didn't understand. Um, so sometimes it was just about explaining pinball terminology to them. What is the scoop? What it, what's an orbit? What is, you know, um, and they're, you know, they're, they are keen learners. Like they're tech, they're tech minded guys, they're gearheads. So they were fascinated by that aspect of it. Uh, but overall, the recording session was just a joy. They they burned through so much dialogue, and people haven't even heard a quarter of the callouts yet. There's so much more audio to go in the game, so uh, I think uh, there's going to be a lot more elements to come. Uh, for me, the moment that was really cool was getting to voice the Federation pilot role which of course on 2112, that's Neil's voice. Um, and uh, Getty and Al suggested that I do it because I have a deep voice like Neil did. And I was, I, I was kind of taken aback at first. I was like, oh, no, I can't. I shouldn't. Like, someone's going to get mad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, But when we decided to do it and then we were able to get in touch with Terry Brown, who produced all those early rush albums and get the actual settings he used on Neil's voice. And so when you hear that Federation pilot in the game, it sounds pretty close to Neil on 2112. So that was really exciting for me and being able to hear that in the game is going to be super cool. Oh yeah. So is that the end? Is that making it to the, all the way, all 20 minutes and 40 seconds, all the way to the end of 2112? You, you pop in there. 
Well, you're going to be hearing instructions from the Federation pilot all the oh. way through. So that'll be sort of like the game voice, actually. Oh, okay. So Getty and Alex are kind of peppering in jackpots and and uh, advice and just humor. But I'll be the kind of mechanical voice of the game. Locks are lit. That kind of stuff. I'm I'm already starting to see a really great game out of this. And we're at early, early code. Like you said, there's still plenty to go into it and whatnot. Uh, what makes a great game to you and and what did you bring to the table to, to make sure that this game was going to be great? Well, I, I requested uh, Tim Sexton and Raymond Davidson uh, early on in this project because I wanted a real modern sensibility to the code on the game. And Tim has got a great sense of adventure when it comes to how he approaches a rule set. He, both he and Raymond, I think, knew very little about Rush. So Tim said right away, I'm going to need you to explain the band and the music to me. Um, but I said to Tim, look, this is your chance to do everything you've been wanting to do. Like, I'm, I'm down for it. Let's do fun stuff with this rule set. And I'll figure out a way to sandwich it in with lyrics, with theming, with the band, but tell me what you've been wanting to do from a rules standpoint and let's try to do it. Um, so I, I wanted it to be the reverse, not for those guys to feel like hampered in by a theme, rather for me to figure out how to marry their crazy ideas for uh, a modern, highly nuanced rule set. Uh, but man, those guys dove in and Tim was immediately sending me things that I, I hadn't even thought of. Tie-ins with lyrics. They poured over the lyrics and watched videos and watched documentaries about the band. And before I knew it, those guys, they were like total aficionados on the band. After a couple of months, they'd just been living and breathing it. And uh, all the ideas just started coming together and... I, I feel like Tim and Raymond uh, really have, they've all read, like the game launched with so much to do and it just shows you a roadmap of where they're going. Um, it's very exciting. It's, it's everything I was hoping for. It's, it's it might be Borg's best layout and I'm a huge John Borg fan. So I think it might be Borg's best layout. Um, calling that one early. And, uh, and I, I think what Tim and Raymond are bringing to the project in terms of a, a real modern nuance to the code is exactly what I wanted. I wanted the game to be intriguing for people who aren't just hardcore rush nerds. And I, I feel like that's what I'm seeing from all the feedback from people who are playing it. Do you have a favorite mode or shot in the game right now? Well, you're looking at, a guy who has never touched this game. <laughs> you still haven't touched it? I'm I'm flying to Chicago Friday okay. and meeting John at the factory. And uh, fingers crossed, LEs will be hitting the line. And uh, I am really super stoked. But yeah, I have not touched the game. I've been involved in every decision 
every aspect, but I have yet to flip it. I've watched, I've watched John flipping it for hours <laughs> and I've watched Tim flipping it for days. <laughs> so, okay. So what mode are you most anticipating or looking forward to then? Or what, uh, or what shot? Well, I love the double scoop, um, the 90 degree scoop kick out, yeah. I think mm -hmm. is super cool. Uh, I love that it was an early request for me to have an under the flipper shot. Um, so that looks great. Um, love the little uh, post up uh, ball lock on the far left. Um, and the ramps just look so fast and fun to shoot. So I, I can't speak firsthand because I've, you know, I've watched all the streams so far. And like I said, I've, you know, I've got hours of video of the Whitewood and, and talking through all the plans for the game. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited for this Friday. It's going to be my first time flipping the game. The one thing I like about Borg too is you look at his layout and you think, oh, I can shoot that shot. That is not a big deal. And then for some odd reason, it's somehow he's put that ramp somewhere different on the flipper than you would expect. And that's one yeah. thing I was like, first couple of games was just trying to figure out where on the flipper am I shooting the shot between, you know, going through the pops because that's a very dangerous shot. And then same with the the right ramp. It just, I'm like, that doesn't feel like it should be that far down the flipper, but it's, it's yeah. still, it's, that's the thing I do like about Borg is uh, it's, it's out of the normal of what you usually feel a shot should be. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I saw a lot of chatter about similarities of, on this game to other of John's layouts and it, it kind of frustrates me because, uh, you know, there's the play field is a finite amount of real estate. And what John has been doing very successfully for a long time is refining ideas that he likes, you know, and reimagining shots that feel good to him and finding a new way to approach things and really coming up with uh, a new take on an interesting mech or a new mech that'll affect some aspect of a layout that he likes. But I think the criticism is kind of lame ultimately um, because, you know, if you get a great flowing design and you get a challenging layout, then if, if it has aspect of aspects of other games we've seen in the past, is it not nearly impossible to avoid that? <laughs> you know, uh, even, you know, I, I, I'm so in love with Elwin's designs right now. Um, but it, Keith will tell you where he's ripped off every one of those ideas from, you know, it's the bottom, the, the upper right corner is, Congo and and the lower left he he got from the original Jurassic Park and whatever it is you know it's yeah. it's about combining ideas that work um if if you try to reinvent the wheel too much you just end up with a brick fest yeah um and ultimately it's about subtly tweaking shots that work and maybe altering the returns and the kickouts and things so 
it's a new game experience. But ultimately, if you want the machine to feel good and shoot well, it's going to have aspects of games you've seen before. Right. And it's, uh, and we're all, we're all victim to it. I mean, I, I sold X-Men and so this has a lot of similarities to X-Men. So that was the one thing I was concerned about because I, I owned an X-Men and I, I moved on. However, uh, I will, I'll be the first to admit that layouts and code create a different beast and having that code and that layout, even, and, and, even though I was looking at it and there are things that are different enough about this that are going to feel significantly different than, than the X-Men I had. And so that was my only reservation is that I felt like I had already like played X-Men and enjoyed it. But there are a lot of aspects to this that I'm really looking forward to. And it feels like he's taken all the good things and made them better. And if, if you saw Tim and Raymond uh, and well, and everyone who, who was on that reveal stream, I mean, they were all hitting things and it looked so good. And I know yeah. they're, they're so Your much better than me. May vary. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they are so much better than me, but it still gives me hope that it, uh, an experienced good player will be able to make a good flowing game. Yeah, I was just watching Bowen's latest uh, tutorial on Jurassic Park that he put up on Papa. And I was like, yeah, I think I already knew everything you're saying, but I've never put it together that well in a single game. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, that right ramp is still like a, a luck shot for me on Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just so hard to it. dial in. No, and the and the right orbit, the O shot in Chaos. Oh I, yeah, I find oh, that that's yeah. a pretty tight shot. Yeah, no, I, I get pretty good at C H A, and then yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going to be easier to shoot, the O or try to go for the smart missile in between the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, the I, I have really good luck with the smart missile. Okay. But, and there's enough of a grace period that if I don't always get it, I'll often get it on the second shot. On, on the rebound like, shot? Get, well, no, get it back to the flipper quick oh. and still make yeah. the shot. Okay. Um, which there's just enough time that you can get a second crack at it. I would say I get the smart missile... At least sixty percent of the time, if not more. Okay, that's much nice. better than me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing game. Yes. So, have the rush guys seen the the machine and what? After you worked on it, they did all that and you showed them. Did they have any sort of like impression? I mean, they're not pinball guys. They said that, and so yeah, they haven't seen one in person yet. But I sent them all the. Um, all the streaming links and all the kind of chatter around the release and uh, a, a bunch of the, the media that went out around the release and just basically congratulated them on a very solid uh, uh, release. But the plan is in the near future for me to actually school them on their games when they, when they get them. There's a plan in the works to have dinner and a little pinball tutorial. Well, that was going to be my next question is, is it's going to be when it's pinball night at the Robertson house, do you think you've gotten addicted enough to the server ball yet that they're going to start joining you on pinball night? I would love it. I would love it if they did. They're, they're just a stone's throw from where I live here. So you need to ensure that Getty brings one of his monocles because <laughs> you, you know, he has like one of the most impressive monocle collection, which I mean, if you thought that collecting pinballs was niche, collecting monocles, it has to be like 
five levels above, which is the only way Getty does anything, really. <laughs> yeah, and he he collects a lot of different things. He's he's uh, he's got a pretty impressive watch collection. Mm-hmm. He's uh, yeah, yeah. Getty doesn't mess around. So, are you going to like? I I'm assuming they're going to make a special game for you, or or some sort of. Uh, some sort of customized, or is it like an LE, or is it a band member? Like, w- what do you do for founding members like this? Uh, like, how do you get them a game that has their likeness on it? Um, you know, I I don't know if Stern's got anything extra special planned. As far as I know, the guys are just getting numbered LEs. Um, but maybe uh, maybe I'll do something lewd to their games before I deliver them. <laughs> to them and then not not tell them until well after the fact then i'll send them the photo of what exactly was on their flipper buttons just before they started handling them. <laughs> I, I was thinking you were going to pull the glass and like lift up the play field and sign ed was here or something like that yeah yeah no i should just like blow the blow the game up and enter my initials and then yes that'll be the gc on their game forever <laughs> So I, I assume you had some fun putting this all together. Is is if Stern called back up and said, "Hey, we want you to help do another," would you say yes? It, it'd have to be a band that I love, um, or um, you know, a license that I really love because it's it's an enormous amount of work, uh, and I was super happy to do it for the Rush guys and uh, to be the the bridge between pinball and rock and roll for those guys. It was it was a really unique position and really cool and you know as i said i'm such a pinball fan i would love to be involved in any uh project become really good friends with so many of the people at the company so i'd i'd love to do another one but it'd have to be a license that i was excited about because it's very time consuming okay i i'm gonna pitch a license to you okay okay what about bare naked ladies uh, never heard of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't think we're in that stratosphere of you know the fifty okay, let, million let's pretend, selling though. bands. Let's pretend you do you, we do a bare naked ladies pin, and you're like, okay, what would you do for a bare naked ladies pin? Yeah, well, don't don't think I haven't uh, possibly uh, sketched something out and uh, created a kind of rules hierarchy that I think would be fun. I've certainly thought about it. Um, but it, it, you know, would have to be a boutique project at Stern because we just don't have the record sales to support, um, a foundation release there. I I'd buy one. I, I would, <laughs> I think you're downplaying yourself. <laughs> well, you know, that the other approach would be to do almost a, an original theme, but with the license of the band, you know, because I, I think I could make a very cool pinball experience that was maybe more similar to like, uh, uh, Scooby and the mystery machine, you know, kind of, uh, band chasing down mythological creatures kind of, that may have been an idea I've thrown around. Nice. Um, the tour, the tour is just a affront 
for this centuries-long battle against the uh, folklore monsters of the world. It's like so, a Scott, Scott Pilgrim versus the world or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That yes. kind of thing would be great. Okay. And I agree. You know, I'm sold. You sold me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so you are, you guys are getting back on the road. Uh, you're starting to, I mean, you were pretty much in lockdown for, uh, for the first part of COVID you you've done some online uh, concerts and now you're starting to ease your toe back in there. You, yep. you have, you have famously talked about taking pins on the road. Okay. So when you take a pin, do you take one to, do you take two? Do you take one that you can play that's all set up and then one that's a project pin or do you just focus on one? Uh, I, I actually had a custom road case built that, that holds one modern stern pin and the pin is in the road case already at the right angle. So my crew guys just have to take the top off and lock the wheels in and it's ready to play, fold up the head. Um, so I will bring a modern stern with me out in the summer but I generally also end up filling the bus bays and parts of the truck with project pins that I pick up along the way. Um, so I usually leave for the tour with a new stern in a road case, and I get home from the tour with six or seven pins in the truck. So, yeah. That is awesome. Hey, you might as well take advantage of it, right? Like if you're out there, you might as well. Why not? Why not? Yeah. And I mean, it's about reaching out to, you know, people I know in different areas. If I'm, if I'm going down through Texas, I'll, I'll reach out to Darren at Pinballs and Ed Vanderveen at TPF and say, Hey, I've been looking for, you know, a joker poker. Can you, can you keep your eye out for me? And, you know, I'll give him a couple months notice before i get to their part of the world and uh, i just put the feelers out far and wide and i've got enough friends in the hobby that word gets passed around and uh you know i'll hook someone up with tickets and backstage passes if they can get a, a game out to a gig I, I was imagining you like scouring craigslist and then meeting someone behind a 7-eleven and like uh, try to keep trying to negotiate been there but i try to keep it a little more professional than that so is there anyone that you've that you've introduced to the game of pinball and you've been kind of shocked they've just taken off with it and now now they're bugging you all the time about pinball well it's more the opposite i'm surprised when i introduce someone to pinball and they don't fall in love with it like i just i can't understand it you know so there's a lot of people in my life that have been exposed to it from me and are now starting to collect, you know, my neighbor just, I've got two neighbors on the street now that I, I got a fun house for my neighbor Volker and my neighbors, Paul and Leah are now looking at their sixth and seventh game. Paul nice. just ordered a rush LE and uh, he's already got five up at his cottage. And um, yeah, so it, it is, it is spreading for sure. Um, but I'm never surprised by it because 
it's the greatest game. And uh, I'm shocked when people don't fall in love immediately with it. I think, you know, I've said this many times. It's that it's that light bulb moment when you explain to someone that it's not just when you explain that pinball is chess, not checkers. Yes. And it's not just about keeping the ball in play. It's about making specific shots at specific times. People go like, oh, my God, really? It's like, well, yeah, that's that's why when you flail around on the game, you're going to get 320,000 points. And I'll have for the same rough length of play, I'm going to have, you know, 45 million points in that span of time because I'm looking at what the game wants me to shoot. And when people make that realization, it takes the game to a whole other level for them. You guys know that. Oh, yeah. I, I've never heard that analogy, but that's perfect, actually. So we're, uh, we are rounding out our time, but uh, what we want to know, where are you going to be this summer? If people want to come out and watch you guys play, where are you going to be? Well, we're going to be all over America this summer, starting, starting down in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. In June, early June, Friday, Friday, June 3rd. There you go. There you go. Uh, and we'll be all over the country. I think we've only got one date in Canada and the rest are in the U.S. Got about 35 shows with uh, Gin Blossoms and Toad the Wet Sprocket opening up. We got a U.K. tour scheduled to start in March. So I'm really hoping that happens. The restrictions seem to be lifting there. We've got a sold out Royal Albert Hall that we're very excited to get back to. Um, we haven't played there in about 14 years, something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited that things are starting to open up and I'm able to get back on the road. So that reminds me, Jeff Teolis was given Martin Robbins crap cause you guys had never been to Australia. Is that true? I thought you guys have been to Australia. We have been to Australia. Yeah. We, oh, okay. we only went there once and it was in probably 2000, 99 or 2000. It's just really far. It's really expensive to take a whole bunch of gear there. And realistically, we'd be playing large clubs, you know. So um, it's a lot easier for us to to stay in North America and do our kind of annual or biannual trip over to the UK where we do really well there and have lots of fans. Um, but um, America is a big country. There's lots of places to play uh, very handy to us here in Toronto. So. Hey, where, where's the Utah tour uh, stop? You, yeah, you guys go to Colorado, just jump right over. It's so close. Why don't, <laughs> how about you guys come to us? <laughs> we might have to. Yeah, we'll have to do that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, you know, I knew Bare Naked Ladies had made it when I was listening to Weird Al's "Running with Scissors" and he covered your song one week and turned it into Jerry Springer. I feel like yeah. if if you make it, Weird Al covers you, right? Yeah, I'm honestly like that. I, I've often said like that was cooler than any kind of award we won or nominations or whatever. You know, the fact that Weird Al actually did one of our songs is pretty cool. And I, you know, I love it when they mention us on Family Guy or on. Uh, it, 
what we do in the shadows or I just saw it on Tosh.0 oh, uh, on the flight down to Mexico. We just did a show in Mexico with Hootie and the Blowfish and uh, I was watching Tosh.0 oh, and uh, a horrible sketch in the 12th season of Daniel Tosh in the fourth episode. There's a one week reference in it and uh, it just made me laugh. I it's awesome that you've had such a cultural impact too. I I was a music man first, then found pinball, and so it's really cool to have you on on the on the show as well. Because I, I played in a band for a little bit, I was nowhere near what you guys were, but we did have some fun. It it was fun just touring and getting on the road and and, and playing shows. It's the greatest shows. thing. Yeah, oh yeah, it's the greatest thing. I I I'm so lucky to get to do what I love to do. I would pay to get to play at the venues that I get to get paid to play at. So, I mean, anyone who's been in any kind of weekend warrior band or you, you know, it's the greatest thing. So the fact that I've been able to make a career out of it and just beyond grateful and overjoyed, I'm, I'm literally the luckiest person in the world. I could tell that uh, we were, I was listening to uh detour de force and I love good life. I feel like that song just, is an amazing oh, snippet yeah, I of love life. That song. I love that song. And, and I love having written that song 30 years into my career. And I yeah. write a song. I go, wow, I really like this song. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I feel like I'm learning all the time. I'm improving. I'm, I'm, uh, I've still got something to say that's interesting. I still manage to find a a turn of phrase or a couplet that's funny or interesting to me. Um, it's, it's like, it just refills the gas tank, you know, keeps me going for another tour and another writing session. I got to ask you, I'm trying to figure out what play field that is. Oh, uh, the concept this is, art behind oh, you. Yeah. Oh, this is all Keith Elwin's designs. I, I'm going to, I'm going to oh, steal that. Cool. I'm going to steal it from Josh. <laughs> when we went to Pinball Expo, he uh, Zombie Yeti gave it to me. Uh, oh, that's, but it, that's cool. It's his four designs, and then they all signed it there at the bottom, the, the chairs in the way from the signatures. But Nice. My wife was cool. nice enough to get that uh, framed and give it to me for Christmas. So That's very cool. Yeah. I, I know Scott I, Scott was kind of jealous. I had people almost like... So you want to trade for that? I've got a banner. This is much better. I'm not yeah, trading. Yeah. You. Yeah. yeah. No, Do you that's... have a game? I'll 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 consider a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's super cool. Well, the first song on the on the album is Flip. Was that inspired at all by Pinball? <laughs> it it wasn't. Um you could have lied. You could have said yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. <laughs> this is great. I enjoyed talking to you guys. No, we really appreciate having you on. We know that you're a very busy man, uh, and so we appreciate you taking time out of your your busy schedule to to join us on our little podcast here and uh, spread the good word of pinball. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for doing it, guys. Um, I love listening to podcasts, so making good to- content uh, is important. Our uh, us pinball people are starving for good content, so appreciate all the effort you guys put into it. You're going to have to start, start up your own pinball podcast when you're flying to Mexico and stuff like that. You'll just have to interview the person next to you and talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. pinball. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I need is another gig. Another project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to do the outro, Josh? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I assume you you don't want to be bothered, Ed, right? Like, if someone wants to get a hold of you, do you go, want go them to, the to get a hold of you? Buy a ticket. <laughs> That's how you want yeah. them to get a hold of you, right? Yeah. Come, to, come to the show. Yeah. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, my email address is support at google.com. Perfect. Or 411 if you have the number, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna laugh when we get an email next week saying I <laughs> I Google or I sent an email to support at Google and they haven't a clue what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's support at littlecaesars.com. Oh, their stuff dress is so good. So. <laughs> if you want to get hold of us, we are loser kid pinball podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at loser kid pinball. Also on Twitch if you want to watch the stream which I haven't done since October, so I should probably not mention that anyway. But uh, no, it's it's been a great show. Uh, we're excited. Texas Pinball Festival's coming up. Uh, I got a couple new hat designs ordered. Uh, you going to be joining down there, Ed, hanging out with Ed Vanderveen and whatnot? I, I sure hope so. Are you going to be in England? Oh, too? it is, isn't it? Yeah, it overlaps yeah. this year with my UK tour. But Ed and Kim put on one of the greatest shows. Um it's it's my favorite so many games uh great spot um yeah i wish i could go but you're right i'll be in the uk you'll just just block out that weekend you can fly back come hang out with us and then you can fly back to uk and, and, and do some more I toys. Wish. all right we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you at the greek theater los angeles friday june 10th <laughs> i'll be there awesome well see you in two weeks scott hey thanks josh Sit down.